I'm ready to receive the word of the Lord. Brother Archer, we're glad you're here. Welcome the man of God, Brother Kevin Archer. Let's give God a good hand clap of praise right now in this place. Let's lift our voices to him right now and praise him like he's worthy. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. It's an honor and privilege to be at No Limits 2017 to have been asked to take part in it is an honor that I do not take lightly I want to say thank you so much to Bishop and Sister Wilson for their lives of ministry and their example and for including men and women like my wife and I in the journey. I want to say thank you to Pastor and Sister Young and their family for their friendship, for all of the hospitality. Rock Church knows how to do it right, don't they? Amen. All of the staff is competent and friendly, intelligent, the room, everything in the room has just been wonderful. Um, I thank God for all of the words that we have heard to this point. So pointed and needed, spot on in my life. I look forward to hearing the remaining brethren believe that God is doing something great in this day and hour and I believe there's a specific word from heaven for us this day and this time I didn't ask for everything that has happened the last few weeks I didn't go looking for trouble but it came and all I have to say is, the devil asked for it. And I know that I'm supposed to be here. And I know that God has something for us today from heaven. Since you have your Bibles, why don't you turn in them? Let's get into the Word of the Lord. I'm going to give Brother Allard plenty of time to minister. I'll be turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul's second letter to Corinth, chapter 4. I will also be reading a companion passage from the 12th chapter of 2 Corinthians. If you're there, say amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 15 says, For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound 
to the glory of God. Somebody say glory. Somebody say grace. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, our inward man is renewed day by day. The things that weaken us, set us up and make ideal platforms for God to get super abundant glory in our lives and in his kingdom. He went on to say, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Somebody shout glory. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse number six, for though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I sought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then Am I strong? Somebody shout hallelujah. If you lift your hands and your voices with me, let's ask God's help. Jesus. Clap our hands to the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. With the help of the Lord, if God will be my help, I want to talk to you today for a time on the paradox of weakness. If you're going to help me, please be seated. If you intend on not helping me, please remain standing. 
oh, what a moment. This is the moment in my life where I feel 100% successful because everyone always sits down. Amen. I was praying and asking the Lord, quite honestly, things have been such lately that I haven't had a whole lot of time to focus on No Limits. I've just been trying to get through the day. And as I was able to realize I was going to be here, I said, God, you got to help me because I'm not ready. And I don't belong preaching this meeting. And Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, the Holy Ghost put this burden on my heart for someone here today. In life, we have ups and downs. We have trials and troubles. We have struggles. And if we're not careful, we'll take the mentality that the whole world is against me. But Paul said, all things are for your sakes. And he said that our afflictions work for us. He said, the reason why we don't faint, though our outward man perish, though we have things that cause us to realize and to know our weaknesses, there is something on the inside that is greater than our struggle and is greater than our personal weaknesses, that is far stronger than our dysfunctions. Amen. And as the world has started to become uh, quite adept at doing, uh, they take on a victim's coat. And because they're a victim, they're excused for their actions. They're excused for their excuses. And no one really uh, expects the best out of them because, you see, they, they have a struggle and they have a weakness and they've been hurt and they've been offended. But I feel today that God would give us a different garment. I think somebody in this room today is going to take off the victim's garment and put on the victor's garment. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Paul said, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. I am glad that the scripture doesn't tell us specifically what was the apostle Paul's thorn. I think because of human nature, if the scripture declared specifically what that thorn was, we in our nature, if it wasn't our particular problem, would discredit the truth of this passage and excuse ourselves from its implications. But the truth of the matter is, everybody has a thorn. Everybody has a weakness. We all have a particular way of seeing things. Isaiah 55 and 8 is true he got it right the Lord said my thoughts are not your thoughts my ways are not your ways 
As a matter of fact, in Scripture, there are paradoxes. Paradox is a seemingly self-contradictory declaration, but is in fact the truth. Amen. Things like we see unseen things. We conquer in the kingdom of God through yielding. We find rest under the yoke. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn of me, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. We, we get rest under the yoke. We reign and rule by serving. We are made great in the kingdom of God by becoming small. We are exalted through humility. 4 and 10 of James said, We receive through giving. Acts 20 and 35. We have freedom through servitude, Romans 6 and 18. We gain through losing, Philippians 3, 7 and 8. We live through dying, John 12 and 24. And we find through losing, Matthew 10 and 39. We have strength through weakness. The things in the kingdom of God are different than they are in this world. I said the things of the kingdom of God are different than the things of this world. There is one thing certain that we are created to give God glory. We have been created to broadcast and manifest the exceeding glory and greatness of the Almighty God. First Peter 2 and 9 said, For ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, that ye might shew forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who in times past were not a people, but now are the people of God. I'm going to tell you, God takes you from obscurity and from nothingness and uses you as a canvas to declare unto the dying lost world his matchless glory. Oh, let's rejoice in the Holy Ghost. There's victory in this room this morning. There's a jubilee getting ready to break forth. The devil is a liar. You're not going to leave here the way you came here. We're for his glory. Revelation 4 and 11, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure. They are and were created. You're created for God's pleasure, and his pleasure is to get superabounding glory in your life. Second Chronicles 16 and 9 tells us that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth.
not looking for the strong, not looking for the intelligent, not looking for those that have a pedigree, not looking for those that seem to have all of the best of all of God's gifts, but he's looking for them whose heart is perfect toward him. And he's looking for them to show himself strong in them. God's not looking for a ready-made advertisement. He's looking for a blank page. He's looking for a willing vessel. He's looking for somebody like Isaiah in the year King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. His train filled the temple. And when he saw the Lord in his authority, when he saw the Lord in his victory, his response to that was, Whoa! is me for I am undone I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell among a people of unclean lips it made him realize dear God how insufficient I am but it also made him willing to say here am I I'll go send me Lord oh clap your hands and rejoice to God Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. The paradox of weakness. Weakness being feebleness in mind or feebleness in body by implication declares a specific malady, a frailty, a disease. An infirmity, a weakness. The dictionary says weakness is the state or condition of lacking strength. A quality or feature that is regarded as a disadvantage. Your weakness is your disadvantage in the natural world. Your weakness is your fault in the natural world. But spiritually speaking... Your weakness is the quality and feature that makes you at an advantage. Jude said, for unto him who is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless. Naturally, your weakness is a fault, but spiritually, your weakness is what makes you such a prime candidate for the miraculous glory of God to be revealed over and over and over again. You'll find yourself looking to your source of help and you'll go from glory to glory. But to get from glory to glory, you're going to have to go from struggle and weakness to struggle and weakness. And God will come through miraculously and give you a glory here and a glory there. Oh, you see, you see, when God calls a man, when God calls a woman, it's far too often that we find readily excuses why we can't do, or why we can't go, or why it isn't possible. We often think, oh dear God, I'm just too flawed for you to do anything with. 
and God sitting there thinking and saying, you're too flawed for me not to do something with you. People that get used mightily in the kingdom of God aren't the great ones. It's the people that are messed up. Their life is all jacked up. They got more problems and questions than they have answers. You see, God's got a way about him. Whenever need arises, he looks down and finds the one most least likely to get the glory. And he says, I'll take that one. Will you go? And if you're willing, can I tell you what it requires is just a willingness and an obedience. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Isaiah 1 and 19 said, for the willing and obedient shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured with a sword for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Is there someone in this room that will admit with me you have a thorn? You have something you're ashamed of. You have something in your life maybe nobody knows about. And I'm telling you, not one person in this room can say otherwise. Something that you've asked God, take away from me. Get me out of this. But God said, my grace will be just enough to use you and get the glory. My God, let the Holy Ghost move in this place. God's going to give you enough. For him to get the glory. Oh, I'm too weak. I'm too flawed. I'm not smart enough. I don't have a pedigree. My dad wasn't a preacher. I don't come from a big name church. I'm going to tell you, God's looking for somebody just like you. You're no different. Your situation's no more impossible than anybody else's has ever been. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 13 said, For there is no temptation taken you but such as is common unto man but God somebody shout but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able but will with that temptation make a way the way not may not be there when you start out in the trouble but the way's going to get made that you might be able to bear it I didn't ask for these last weeks but the devil asked for it I don't know how comfortable to be here pastor and bishop but I'm hacked off I've been trying to keep my nose clean. I've been trying to do right. I've been struggling just like the rest of you. And then on top of that, the enemy comes in. Starts trying to sow seeds of doubt and insecurity. He, Brother McDonald, he wants us to have an evil heart of unbelief. Departing from the living God. I'm going to tell you, unbelief will take you away from the thing that makes you able. You may be challenged in believing what I'm preaching, but there's no impossible situation in this room. There's no such thing as a throwaway soul. You can do it. You can do what God has called you to do. 
You're not in a trial. You're in the middle of the best blessing that's ever come into your life. James said, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Don't feel sorry for me. Don't look down with pity on me. I'm a blessed man. He hit me as hard as he could hit me. And I shook my head, dusted myself off, got back up, and I'm still in the race. I may not be running as fast, jumping as high, but you can't keep a good man down. Just ask John. Just ask Paul and Silas. But when he has tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Oh, hallelujah. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. Come on now. The weakness is not in God. The weakness is in you. For God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man. But every man, somebody say every man, is tempted. Hey, there ain't no holier than thou's in this room right now. Everybody has a thorn. Everybody has a private struggle that they are dying if anybody would ever find out. But God uses people like that. The devil will tell you the blessing of God is off your life. The favor of God has departed. I come to tell somebody, I don't know where you're at, but you're here today, I feel it. God didn't make a mistake when he called you. God didn't misspeak. He didn't say, well, that seemed like a good idea at the time, but I changed my mind. His gift and his calling are without repenting. You're not taking it back. Somebody said, well, I'm too weak. I'm too flawed. I can't this. I can't that. I want to tell you, that's the reason God called you. And I'm going to tell you beyond that, not just every man is tempted, but every man sinned. I have a hard time believing that there's one individual in this room today, from the greatest to the least, from the strongest to the weakest, that hadn't had an opportunity to say, you know, I really messed that one up. And had to go back to the altar and repent. Not one of us here, since we received our initial experience and touch of salvation, has never needed the altar after that. You see, the enemy wants you to believe because you're in the midst of a struggle. Or maybe you even fail. That God has washed his hands of you. And there's no more hope and there's no more use. Come on, somebody shout back at me. I come to tell you that's why God has fixed his eye on you. For, yes, yes, yes. 3 and 23 of Romans said, For all have sinned and come short of what? The glory of God. I'm glad that Paul didn't stop right there. In our best efforts, in our best, give it all you got to be right with God. 
You could do it as right as you've ever done it. And you're still going to come up short of the glory of God. Forgetting those things, Paul said, that are behind. And reaching for the things that are before. I press. you got to be willing to resist the struggle. you got to be able to push back against the opposing force. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But Paul didn't stop there. Not just every man has sinned, all have sinned and come short. But he said, being justified freely by his grace. Thank God for grace. Grace is not a weak doctrine. Grace is not a cuss word in the apostolic faith. Grace is not denominational doctrine. Grace is apostolic doctrine. You gotta have it if you're gonna reach the glory of God because as good as you can try to be, you're still gonna come short. But grace is what makes up the gap. Oh yeah, somebody, First Peter chapter one in verse number six. Oh, what's the book say? Wherein you re- greatly rejoice. Wherein you greatly rejoice. Notice in our text, he said, therefore I rather glory in my infirmities, in my necessities, in my distress, in my persecution. Don't wait till you get through. Some things you gotta take pleasure. You gotta take pleasure in them. Not for them, in them. You may see me struggle. I may be in the heat of it, but there's one thing I'm going to do. I'm going to take pleasure. Sometimes situations don't bring pleasure with them. You got to learn how to reach out and take it. You got to be able to say, I didn't ask for this struggle. You brought it to me. Now let's have it. Wherein you greatly rejoice. Though now for a season, our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Six and nine of Galatians, be not weary in well-doing for in due season. You shall reap if you faint not. If need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptation. Thank you, Bishop, for your confirmation. I like how he said manifold means many layered and many folds. I got to looking at that word manifold a while back and it came to mind of the times that I have been to the paint shop trying to pick a color for a wall. And I pick up the color swath and on that color chart, if you spread it out, there's every color known to man, every hue, every shade, every degree of every color that's on that chart. Manifold to me means there's every shade, every color, every type of temptation that we're going to have to learn to rejoice through. Somebody needs to, 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 to get in their heart, I'm going through. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But I got to reading in Peter's epistle in the fourth chapter. 
And along the 10th verse, he said, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And I, it occurred to me, and it hit me like a runaway freight train. Though I may have every degree and every shade and every color of temptation bombarding me in my walk with God, I also have the resources of manifold grace. There is a shade of grace that will match every shade of temptation. God's already got your back covered. This may be something you have never seen before, but back there in God's economy, he's already created a specific shade of his favor, of his help, of his grace that will match that particular shade of temptation. Let me tell you something about God's grace. It's equipped us to help us in our weakness, to help us with our thorn. I'm not just preaching to preachers. I'm preaching to children of God, period. I got to thinking about the graces of God. I'm going to tell you, you don't have to fall. Peter said, if these things be in you and abound, they shall make you that you never. What am I preaching against? I'm preaching against backsliding. You don't have to do it. You don't have to backslide, go out and get messed up in the world to have a testimony. There's nothing like the testimony of the graces of God. The devil hit me with something I'd never seen before. But God came through right on time with a way of grace that I'd never seen before. And here I am, deal with it. Here I am, deal with it. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, somebody. Yes, 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 yes. I like, I love how God looks at us. He doesn't look at us like people do. People look for politicians and they focus on their strengths. They focus on their experience. They focus on their abilities. They focus on their schooling, their pedigree, their history, their intellect. But God doesn't look at us that way. God doesn't look at us that way. The the psalmist, the great singing king of Israel, 130 103rd Psalm, he said, the Lord is merciful. He's full of mercy. And the Lord is gracious. He is slow to anger. And he is plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide. Neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. God's not like people. You hurt me, I'll hurt you back. You may do something to offend, may do something to harm, you may do something to break the heart of God, but you can't make him fall out of love with you. Because he's full of mercy. He's not quick-tempered.
He doesn't retain his anger forever. The prophet said, he delighteth in mercy. You'll not outfail God. You're not too bad to make it. You're just the right material to bring God the greatest amount of glory in this present world that you're put in. He's a doting father. The psalmist said, like as a father pitieth his children. Hallelujah. So the Lord pitieth them that fear him. It is for them whose hearts are perfect toward him that he's running to and fro to show himself strong. The psalmist said, for he knoweth our frame and he remembereth that we are dust. God's way with us is perfect. God's way with us is complete. God's way with us is secure. God's way with us is steadfast. God's way with us is certain. You have an expected end when you come out of Babylon. God's got a reason for your 70 year struggle and that's for him to get the glory. That's why we can come. That's why we can come boldly before the throne of God. Seeing then we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but within all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Is anybody in here in need? Oh, let's rejoice, let's rejoice. Hallelujah. 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 The Lord spoke to me yesterday, something beyond, this is new to me, but I have preached and taught to the wonderful church at home that God has blessed me to pastor. Amen. They're right home praying for me. My sweet wife is home praying for me right now. Amen. I feel the help of the Holy Ghost in here. There isn't a temptation coming your way that God doesn't have a matching shade of grace to match it. That's to keep you from falling. But what about some of you all that have crashed and burned? What about some of you all that when people look at you say, that one will never amount to anything? They've gone too far. There's been too much that has happened. Can I tell you something the Lord showed me yesterday from the book of Nehemiah, the ninth chapter? Nehemiah was talking about the children of Israel sojourn out of Egypt. And he, and he recited the time when the man of God went up the mountain to receive the laws of God. And the people built a golden calf. And they went after that idolatrous thing. And Nehemiah said, yet thou in thy manifold mercies forsook them not. Not only is God's grace enough to keep you from falling, but God's mercy is enough after that you have fallen. He keeps his word. He said, lo, I, am, I will never leave you. 
nor forsake you. If you have fallen, if your life is a mess, if your marriage is in a heap, if your whole circumstances look like nothing can ever come good out of it, God in his manifold mercies will never forsake you. Even to those that are disobedient, even to those that are rebellious, Nehemiah went on to say in the ninth chapter and the 27th verse, therefore thou deliveredest them into the hand of their enemies who vexed them in the time of their trouble. When they cried, somebody's got to have enough sense to cry unto God in the time of trouble. Thou hearest them from heaven, and according to thy manifold mercies, thou gavest them saviors. God's got a man picked out that is going to be right on time for you after that you have fallen that will give you something specifically. Thank you, Brother Christian. That man's a Christian. God will have a matching shade of mercy that'll bring you a savior. Now let me get down to the meat and potatoes. James said in the fourth chapter of James, and I believe it's the 17th verse if my memory serves me correctly. He said, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. Yet, he prayed. Elijah was a man like me. Elijah was a child of God like you. And the book said he prayed. And God heard his prayer. I said God heard his prayer. Great men of God are just that, men. I didn't come to tear the ministry down. I just come to level the playing field for some of y'all that think that, that some of these preachers have a different touch or a different this or a different that. God's given you the measure of faith that he gave them. It's all up to what you do with the measure that makes the difference. Some of y'all, some of y'all don't believe that. Hey Amen. But let, let me just draw your attention to Romans the 12th chapter and the third verse. For I say unto you, according to the grace that is given unto me to all of you. Let no man think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to every man or given to every man, not a measure of faith, the measure of faith. When God called you, he gave you the measure. And when God called me, he gave me the measure. The same God that touched these great elders in years past is the same God that's resting on my shoulders and in my life right now. It's not because they were better than me or I'm lesser than them. We serve the same God. We've got the same provider. The same God that didn't forsake them is the same God that hasn't forsaken me. You can make it, you can make it, you can make it, you can make it. Elijah comes onto the scene. Do I have a few more minutes? Elijah comes onto the scene in the time when the country was in great peril. There was a great need. You see, God's got a way. When there's a need, he handpicks a specific individual that'll be just perfect to meet the need. So when Ahab and Jezebel were in control, when everything was wrong in the kingdom of God, there was a little old preacher. 
that God was getting ready to make an Elijah out of. And he steps out onto the scene. He said, hey, this is a time of great division and a great uncertainty. People don't know what to do and they don't know what's going to happen. I got a question for this generation of millennials. How long will you halt between two opinions? If God be God, then serve God. If the world's got the answers, then go to the world. At the end of that day, there was a rebuilt altar, there was a fresh sacrifice, there was water, and there was a 63-word prayer. In essence, he said, hey God, you and I both know these guys aren't it. You and I both know they've tried, jumped, cussed, and carried on all day, and no fire fell. But he said, God, show them who you are. He didn't say, God, show them who I am. He said, God, show them your God, and the fire fell. The litmus test of an acceptable sacrifice to God is still the fire falling. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, the fire set upon each of them. Just like any victory that we achieve, Elijah was met with a, an old wet hen. She says, so help me God, if I don't have your head in a pile like you've got those prophets of heads in a pile. He said, I'm going to finish you. I'm going to take your life like you took the lives of the false prophets of Baal. Can I tell you what Elijah did? He didn't stand up in faith. He didn't point his bony finger back at her and said, I'll tell you what's going to happen. He turned his tail and he ran like a sissy. Some of y'all don't believe that. But he said, when he saw that, he arose, he ran for his life. He himself went a day's journey into isolation in the wilderness. He came and sat down under a juniper tree. He said, God... Let me die. I've had enough. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Now, the Lord spoke to me numerous times through this week, and, and I say that carefully. I'm not deeply spiritual. I am as jacked up as anybody's ever preached here. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't come with any pretension. But God told me that this is going to be a session of angelic visitation. God sent an angel and fed him. And he ate and he drank. And the angel came back the second time. And he fed him. And he gave him water to drink again. He said, he said the journey's too great for you. You're going to need strength. You may think you're all alone. You may think you're washed out, but God's got a reserve of people just like you. You may be hiding in the cave up into no limits. Amen. The earth may be quaking. The thunder may be rolling. The winds may be blowing. But he's going to send an angel with a ministering word to you. 
God's not in the, the wind. God's not in the earthquake. God's not in the storm. But that still small voice is going to come to minister somebody in this room right now. Can I tell you the reason why that I am at No Limits 2017 is because God sent a ministering angel to Kevin Archer in No Limits 2016 on Friday. And it has made a difference in me. The man that you see here today is not the man you saw last year. Can I tell you, God's got just what you need right when you need it. I don't have time. I don't have time to get to everything the Holy Ghost I've prepared or whatever, but Moses was called. There was a time of great need. Moses' response, he said, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh. Amen. He said, behold, they're not going to believe me. They're, they're going to say the Lord didn't appear to me. And God said to him, I'm not asking you what you don't have. What is in your hand? He said, it's a rod. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do with that rod. I'll give you something to lean on. When you need an answer, throw that thing down. When you need a, a, a prayer got through, stretch it out over the waters. And he still said, but God, but God, I'm not eloquent. He said, I'm slow of speech and I'm slow of tongue. Before you called me, I wasn't eloquent. Before you called me, I was slow of tongue. He said, God, what, what, what am I going to do? He said, who has made man's mouth? And who maketh the dumb or the deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now, therefore, go! Don't wait till you're equipped. Go and God will equip you. He said, I'll be your mouth and I'm going to teach you what you should say. Can I tell you, God did so wondrously in Moses' life that the preacher Stephen in Acts chapter 7 said that Moses was learned in all the wisdom of Egypt and was mighty in words. And indeed, Saul was called. He said, am I not a Benjamite? Of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, my family, the least of all families of the tribe of Benjamin. Why are you speaking to me? Can I tell you, God did wondrously with him while he was small in his own eyes. John the Baptist did great things, came to a point of test and trial. He said, go ask him. Is he the one or do we look for another? Gideon was hiding in a threshing weed in a wine press to hide from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord comes to him and calls him, Almighty man of valor. He said, Go in this thy might and thou shalt save Israel. But he said, God, my family is poor in Manasseh. I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will go with thee. <laughs> Hey, yeah. Somebody here today is getting ready to face a battle of a lifetime. And you've got all the answers. You've got the pedigree. You've got the resources. And something's getting ready to happen to you that the enemy will use to make you think God's not going to give you the victory. But you're facing a battle. And Gideon faced a battle with 32,000 warriors. And he had a revival. And 22,000 walked away. God gave him another revival at the water and 10 more thousand that were left 9700 of them went home 
And God said, okay. Now you, I got you right where I want you. So when I give you this victory, ain't nobody going to say that I didn't do it. You're looking at a man that has been wondrously held. It's not because I'm great. It's not because I'm intelligent. It's not because I'm wonderful. Not because I'm gifted. But it's because of God. Moses said to the people, he said, the Lord did not set his love upon you. Nor did he choose you because you were more in number than the people. For ye were the fewest of all peoples. It's no wonder that David said in the 8th Psalm in the 4th verse, What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him? Somebody shout, yeah! The theme of our meeting, No Limits This Year, is taking new territories and we are primed in the perfect circumstance i believe this is the best generation of god's church has it ever been more unlikely you remember god when he sees a need selects the most unlikely when he came walking along the seashore and i'm almost done he walked and found a man by Simon Peter. Simon was impulsive. Simon cussed. Simon betrayed God. Within Simon was the potential for him to become a homicidal maniac. He grabbed a sword and he went for that soldier's head and he missed and cut his ear. You don't, don't think for a second he was aiming for that ear. He was going for the juggler. He said, this can't be, and he swung. God picked that back up and said, hey, easy, here's you here, bud. God picked a man like Simon Peter. God chose men like James and John who were called the sons of thunder. They were called the sons of thunder for a reason. He picked a man like Timothy that had a poor stomach and a weak constitution and often was infirm. He was weak all the time. He was sickly and puny. And God turned the known world on its top. And he used weakness and he used inadequacy he used the highly improbable now what about you jesus said you are the light of the world a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father god's going to get the glory shine on shine on shine on god's going to get the glory let me close this thing you see we're hung up in the apostolic pentecostal movement with this projected perfection y'all look perfect Man, that's tight, those robes. If that don't make you want to shout, Hammond organ makes me feel like preaching even when I don't have nothing to preach. We are hung up with this projected perfection. We want the world to think we got all the answers. We want the world to think we got life by the tail. We forget that we have a past. We forget that God saved us from a mess. That when God found us, he had to reach way down. 
He sits high, but he looks low. God's not looking for the cream of the crop. He's looking for the bottom of the barrel. And that's why I'm here today. The paradox of weakness. When I am weak, then am I strong. The truth is we're not in the church because we're perfect. We're in the church because we're not perfect. The world looks in the church and he sees all the pretenders and they they get discouraged and they call people hypocrites. It's because we've been selling them a false bill of goods. We've been telling them, look how perfect we are. But the true message is, I'm imperfect, that's why I'm here. The truth of the matter is we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. I'm not denying I had trouble. Yeah, I'm in trouble, but let me tell you what I'm not. I'm not giving up. We are perplexed. I don't have all the answers. I don't know what to do. Yeah, I may be perplexed, but I'll tell you what I'm not. I'm not in despair. Yeah, persecuted. I fought the devil from this angle, from that angle, from that up, down, and all around. Yeah, I've been persecuted, but let me tell you what I'm not. I'm not forsaken. Ah, I wish old Hammer was here today and sing that, that good old hymn, Can't Touch This. God's got a generation of invincible saints. Not because you're great or perfect, but because his strength has the best opportunity to be made manifest in each and every one of your lives. Cast down, but not destroyed. Can I tell you, your thorn, your weakness, your infirmity may be the thing that everybody tells you that'll break you beyond repair. But when I got cast down, I came up not destroyed. Last week, I was walking and I was talking to myself. Stark raven, lunatic, Wendell licking crazy. I said, God, how many times are you going to break me and still have anything left to work with? When you get done, there ain't going to be nothing left. That still small voice let me know, son, the breaking of you will be the making of you. Break me all over again. Let's go down to the potter's house and see that potter at the wheel. And the vessel that was in his hand was marred in the hand of the potter. But he started all over again. Somebody say, I'm ready to go again. And he made of the same clay. Another vessel. The paradox of weakness is if you'll stay in the hand of God Almighty, 
material and do something perfect. This, this would not be right if I didn't leave this with you taking new territory right now whether you realize it or not we're giving the devil a bad day I didn't ask for it but I ain't running I'm gonna leave it all on the platform today brother young I, I didn't come through what I came through to cut this thing short and not give everything that God gave me to give to somebody Paul was talking about something transparent if anybody had a pedigree it was Paul if anybody could speak eloquently and had all knowledge and the third most influential man in the history of the world some historians will say I'm not talking about some loser this man he said to Corinth he said but I would not have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia that territory where we got he said make no mistakes we had some trouble the enemy didn't roll over and give it up easy oh hallelujah he said we were pressed out of measure we were above strength insomuch that we despaired even of life we don't like to talk about this but sometimes stress and pressure presses us out of measure gets heavier than we can physically and emotionally oh yeah preachers suffer emotional breakdowns oh yeah they do that's why the statistics are against preachers making it but you're looking at a preacher I've been pressed beyond measure above my strength can I tell you something the 23 four years I've been preaching I've never preached with a greater anointing I've never felt the touch of God any more near I've never seen miracles happen like they're happening now. And you know what's blown my mind? The church that I pastor has probably in the last two years grown at least 30%. The last two years of my life, sis, have not been my shining moments. I'm not a proud preacher here today. You may be surprised I'm preaching today, but you ain't anywhere near surprised as I am. But all I know is the greatest revival landmark apostolic church has ever had since its inception in 1978 is happening right now. With a guy that's as inadequate and unlikely. He said, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves. But in God, which raises the dead who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. He's brought me too far to leave me. I don't feel no ways tired. I come this far from where I started from. Nobody ever told me that the road was ever get easy, but I don't believe for a second that he brought you this far to this point to this service to leave you floundering in the water for you see your calling brethren not many wise men after the flesh not many mighty not many noble are called but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and God hath chosen the weak things to confound the things that are mighty God chose the base things of the world the things which are despised hath God chosen yea things which are not 
to bring to naught the things which are that no flesh should glory in his presence but of him are ye in Christ Jesus who of God was made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that according as it is written he that glorieth let him glory in the Lord in the hero's roll call of faith time would fail me to tell of Gideon of Jephthah of others who in weakness became strong let the weak say I am strong clap your hands for the victory clap your hands for the victory clap your hands for the victory Paul said in the 8th chapter, and this is my closing remark, and we're going to have something. There's going to be an angelic visitation right now. Do you believe that? Do I have anybody that believes that? No Limits 2017 Friday is your moment in time. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Clap your hands and rejoice. 